It's never been easier to get on the water with Academy Sports and Outdoors. Stop by your local Academy store or online at academy.com today and shop great gear from fishing's top brands like Luz, Zebco, Abu Garcia, Shimano, and more. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. This episode is titled Atlantic Bonita, the good one. And so we're going to be talking about all things Atlantic Bonita with Captain Ray Britton, of Spring Tide Guide Service out of the Topsail area. And, you know, we're going to, he's going to walk us through a typical morning where he heads out and looking for, you know, a strong Bonita morning. And it's going to cover such topics as trolling, as casting, as locating fish, staying on fish, electronics. And then we're going to finish with some do's and don'ts. So we've got a lot of material to talk about with this popular spring fishery off the North Carolina coast. Um, my name is Gary Hurley, Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post. And Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater fishing community of North Carolina since 2003. We've been bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools. And now, in this latest and greatest effort, the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. And it is in the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series that we reach out to our captain and guide friends from up and down the North Carolina coast and ask them to share with us their knowledge, their insights on how to catch more fish more often and with the hope of being not just more fish more open, but the hope being that we give you confidence, we get you motivation to grab family and friends and spend more time on the water more often, whether you're catching fish or not. I am joined in this episode, just as I am every episode, with my podcast partner, Billy Thorpe of Copilot Studios. Copilot Studios is a podcast studio offering podcast services for hire. Billy, welcome to another installment of our podcast series. Gary, what's up, man? It's good to see you again. It is good. It's good to be here. It's good to be talking fishing. Yeah, it's good to be talking, and, and especially with Ray, one of a kind. He's gonna be. He's gonna crush it. Full of information. So good. Yeah, one of the best. And you know, and you know how we know it's good is because he wears glasses. I mean, they're fake glasses. He he, <laughs> they're not real. He wears them to look smart. So hey. even though even if the information isn't that good, it's gonna sound good because he's he's wearing glasses. Yeah, that's good. You know what I wear to look smart? What's that? My Marine Warehouse Center hat. Oh, <laughs> where's my where's my sound effects? That was a great segue. <laughs> Yeah, it was a great segue. I got a video from him. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Robbie with Marine Warehouse Center in Wilmington and Charleston. We are headquarters for Pair Custom Boats. These center consoles are handmade in Washington, North Carolina, and are custom designed for fishing and family fun on the water. Right now, we have several models in stock, and deal times on the custom orders are around five months. These boats are custom built to fit your needs, from the seating, the tops, the leaning posts, and the live wells. You design the entire layout of your boat. Come by and see for yourself why they're one of the fastest growing boat builders in the country. Every time. Dude, it's so great. That end music is, God, I just want to punch a hole we in the We need wall. to find so, out where they got that. I know. I'm going to find it. I'm going to I'm gonna call Lil and say, Lil, I just need your music. Man, no disrespect to Brian Weeks, who created our song, and I'm still a fan of that. Yeah, it's great. But if we had that, people would just be like, dude, I can't wait until the next episode. Man. <laughs> they would be double tapping five times that subscribe button. Marine Warehouse, they do everything right, huh? Even I mean, that music. was a great video. I mean... <laughs> I mean, even the music. Even the music is phenomenal. You know where they struggle? 
<laughs> with a joke. Terrell. Oh Terrell. my god. The guy's killing me. <laughs> And he's like, I'm like, Terrell, you don't have to give me a joke for every episode. He's like, no, no, man, people like it. I want to do it. But hey, look, I'm I'm walking in a K&W cafeteria. It's four o'clock. I'm going to eat dinner. Can I call you afterwards and tell you a joke? And I'm like, yeah, Terrell, call me after K&W. I'm sure it's worth the wait. I've never eaten there. Is it buffet style? You have to ask Terrell. (laughs) Terrell, is it buffet style? (laughs) You want to hear his joke? I'm ready. Why did the chef leave his job? At the small diner. No idea. He had bigger fish to fry. <laughs> All right. I'll give it to him. That's pretty funny. That's pretty <laughs> clever. <laughs> I'm going to remember that one to tell it to my kid in a couple of years. In a couple of years? When he understands it. Or he'll just look at me and go, that's dumb. It might man. be better when he doesn't understand it. I should do that tonight then. And just give him like a Skittle. <laughs> he'll be stoked. <laughs> Yeah, right. Here's the M&M. <laughs> oh, goodness, man. What do you want to look at, Gary? You want to look at some fish pics? Yeah, man. Give me a fish photo. Here we go. We had Stanley Dancy from Booth, North Carolina with the false albacore. They ate a trout jig at the Cape Lookout Rock Jetty. That's a good-looking fish there, Gary. And, uh, <clears throat> man, which one do you like fishing for? you like fishing for the false albacore or the Atlantic Bonita? I like catching both. I'm a fan of chasing both down. But the good one, and the title today is talking about good taste in Atlantic Bonita. Ray's a pretty good cook. I wonder if he can make a false albacore taste good. <laughs> that is, <you laughs> That's got, a good question. You should write that down. <laughs> I'm going to ask him. <laughs> All right, perfect. Apologies. The answer is no. <laughs> but I'm going to ask oh him. Oh, my goodness. But, All you, right. but you know what would be good? What is that? A cup of coffee. A good old cup of Joe. If someone were to buy us a cup of coffee, and why don't you tell them, why don't you tell our viewers and listeners what what I'm talking about? Yeah, so buy me a cup of coffee.com slash Fisherman's Post. If you like this podcast, if you like Gary, because that's... I will go. He has a better reputation than I do. Yes. <laughs> if you really like what we're doing, it's a great way to support us and just you know really motivate us to continue on and, and really give us caffeine. That's what we're after. We're just after some coffee. So you can buy us a virtual cup of coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash Fisherman's Post. And it's a great platform to support creators. So And there's other people on there too creating great content. Not as great as ours, but... Start with us. <laughs> start, with, start with us and work your way down. <laughs> I like it. Um, so Billy, I'm going to talk to Ray. He's going to walk me through a morning heading out chasing Atlantic Benita. And you fish with him. I fish with him several times. He knows how to catch him. So this is going to be a good podcast. I don't know if anybody was catching him on his boat. I was the one, I was the one reeling them in the whole entire time. Yeah, we did want you to reel them in. After you slackers got tired. But anyway, we won't talk about that story. (laughs) Go, Billy, another one. Billy, another one. Dude, I'm like, this is getting old. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man, it was fun. But I need you to focus so that when I come back to you after talking with Ray, right. that you have Billy's best takeaway. I'm in. You the got best it. takeaway. Not like the good takeaway, but Billy's best takeaway. The very best. All right. Let's, get my best. Let's bring our guest on. Captain Ray Britton of Springtide Guide Service. Thank you for being patient while we sit there and jibber jabber. We need to get to you. We need some real content in this show. I'm talking to Springtide Guide Service out of the Topsail area. And again, Atlantic Bonita, the good one. I came up with that title right as the show was starting. I hope you I hope you agree. Trolling, casting, locating yep. fish, staying on fish, electronics, do's and don'ts. Man, we got a lot to cover. But as yep. is the tradition, you've got two questions to get through before we get to the main event. Ray Britton, are you ready? Here we go. Here we go. 
Yep. Question number one. Why should we listen to anything you have to say about an Atlantic Benito? <laughs> I, I hadn't figured that out yet. I'm not sure why you keep having me on here, but uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what we come up with. No, I, uh, I operate Springtide Guide Service out of Topsail Island. Um, I've been fishing for them for a long time. Um, always learning like everybody else. But, yeah, I've got some tricks and, you know, we, we catch some fish. But, uh, you know, everybody, if anybody says they know it all, they, they don't. Um, and I don't know it all either. But I have been fairly su su successful at catching them. And uh, I, I enjoy catching them. It's one of my favorite fish to to target, especially when they come through. So, I mean, if I can just share a little bit with folks to make them a little more successful this spring, uh, that's, that's the goal. Right on, man. That, that works for me. So question number two, typically it's a non-fishing related question. You're going to think this is a fishing related question in the setup, but I assure you it's not. And I'm focusing on the difference between a Benito and a Benita, ending with O, good tasting, ending with A, not good tasting. So that one letter makes a big difference. And that's where your question lies, Ray Britton. One letter okay. can make a big difference. What is the difference between effect and affect? Oh, effect and effect. <laughs> uh, you can affect something or it affects something. What, what's the definition of them? I know how to use them. But <laughs> have, I, have I used that wrong somewhere and oh, you've man. seen it? No, you there, did a lot. You said a lot of words. Yeah, what is the what is the effect is effect uh, uh, is, is would be forward effect would be uh, to do something to something effect is something that happens afterwards, right? Man, that is pretty close, man. You just said a whole bunch of words, and I would be comfortable letting you go on and on, but you actually kind of got to it. I'm gonna, you know, me and my other trade. I'm a I'm a college. I'm an English professor. So I have this word. So the quick of it is affect is when you use it as a verb, you know, to change something. You affected something using it as a verb. Effect yep. is more the noun, and then it's the result. And I'm boring my people. No one wants an English lesson when they're well, turning into That's a... why you teach school, and I and I fish. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got a point. He's got a point. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I got to get on a boat and catch fish. Are we going back? But give me, we, show me one of your emails, to, uh, and I'll tell you what's wrong with it. <laughs> I already got all the C pluses in, in English I need in my life. I'm going to stick to the boat from now on. <laughs> well, well, let's let's go on to the main event, man. Let's do it. And I, I like yeah, your man. idea. I'm hopping on your boat. Our client's hopping on your boat. And we're heading out to try a morning of catching Benita, finding Benita. Tell me what, tell me what goes through your process. How do you approach that morning? Well, okay, so I guess the first thing is, um, and real quick, uh, you did mention a, a very important thing with the O and the A. Uh, the biggest question that we always get anytime we're putting up photos of, uh, you know, Atlantic Benito, um, you know, people say, oh, are they good to eat? Yes, they are. Uh, look it up. Know the difference. We get them for a couple of weeks. They're awesome. They're not a false albacore. They are a Bonita. So know the difference one's great to eat one's terrible uh, this question gets asked and answered a thousand times every year and it's surprising with the internet and everything like it is um that that we're still getting that question but you know i can see where people can confuse them um so when they show up it's usually around the middle of april 
um, you know, they're going to be coming in behind schools of bait fish and depending on how cold or how warm, middle of April to the end of May, sometimes earlier than that, but that's about when they show and they hang out for a week or two into May. Most of the time, first week of May, they're rolling on. Um, so once they show up and on the first runs that we have when we're out there searching for them, um, there are ideal situations and then there's days where you don't have ideal conditions. So the first thing you're going to do is go out the inlet, obviously, because you catch them off the beach. Um, the, the best fishing that I've encountered, I've, I've caught them way off, you know, 10 miles or more, but the best fishing is going to be on the inland wrecks. Uh, you know, between a mile and five, six, seven miles off the beach. Uh, that two to three mile range is, is, is really good. Um, and what they're doing is they're holding on structure that, that holds bait. So you're going out and the first thing you're doing is looking for birds. And it, it comes back to a lot of different types of fisheries, but it, it holds definitely it holds true in this one find the bait and find the birds and find the fish. So that's what you're looking for first and foremost. That's the easiest way if you are going out there with no electronics to catch this fish. Um, the beauty of them is when they're busting bait on top, the birds go down on them and you can locate them that way. You'll see them busting on top of the water. Right on. So that's ideal is looking for birds and baits and you're heading out of the inlet and looking on looking immediately. So what about, I mean, I'm not sure where we're going now. What if we're not seeing the visual signs? Right. Okay. So we're going out, we're looking for birds. We're not seeing much bird activity. Um, let's say we do see birds that are stared at the top of the water and, and hovering in certain areas, but we're not seeing any bonita busting and we're not seeing any bait on top. Well, that's where you start using your electronics and you're going to you're going to ride over those areas with your electronics and, and just check them. And sometimes I'll you know, if I if it looks really good, if it looks like the right kind of birds, turns and whatnot that are looking, you know, looking down and, and hovering and staring. I might even make some casts, let it sink and see if they're further down. But with the electronics like they are today and side scan, um, you pretty much just you'll ride by that area you'll look you'll go to a known uh piece of bottom and these fish are going to congregate over over structure they're going to because it holds the bait so you go to those places and if you don't see anything on top it doesn't mean they're not there it just means they're not busting bait on top so the next thing is okay we'll deep jig for them or we'll you know troll or whatever all these things we'll talk about here in a minute but finding the bait first is the key and so i'll ride over the area and i'll start marking the schools of bait fish if i'm not seeing anything hit them i'm going to concentrate my efforts where the bait fish are first and foremost if i don't have birds and obvious fish busting like they did so on the electronics you're not looking for bonito you're looking for bait both yeah, so Bonita have a real defined squiggly mark. The way they swim, it's real fast and uh, tuna-like. Um, so they they give you a really defined mark on once you once you've got on top of them and you've seen them once, you'll know what they look like. Um, 
they're a little harder sometimes on side scan to pick out, but uh, plenty of times you know, I've been able to see them just fine. Depends on how high in the water column or, or deep they are, but you can see them on side scan, but you'll see the bait balls better on side scan than you will, uh, at least with Simrad that I'm using. I mean, there's new stuff out now that probably, you know, blows mine away, but just with what I'm using, um, which is, you know, their Simrad's newer uh, stuff, it, it, it'll show you what you need to see. And what's nice is instead of just looking down on a fit, you know, 15 degree cone down to the bottom, you're able to see 160, 180 feet, both sides of the boat as well. So I can see a school of bait a hundred feet off to my right or left, which is, you know, that's another technique I use, especially in Spanish fishing. If I lose them, I can, I can find them pretty quick with side scan. Man, I, I meant to ask a question when we were talking about looking for birds, looking for baits, and you touched on it quickly, but I just want to make sure I'm following. So terns are the right kind of bird. Are there other right kinds of birds, and what are the wrong kinds of birds? I mean, you've, you've got the terns, and then you've got the regular gulls. Um, you know, and sometimes you've got gannets and pelicans. I mean, pelicans and, you know, pelicans are obviously going to be diving on bigger baits, uh, big menhaden and things like that. And the uh, the little terns, uh, well, we always called them Spanish birds. Um, you know, the little small ones that hover and then they their heads stick straight down and they'll hover right over some bait and just watch it. Um, those give away Spanish and Bonita a lot. Now, they're diving on glass minnows. So, and that kind of clues you into, you know, what size... Um, tackle to throw at them as well sometimes and i mean a lot of these things go for spanish as well as bonita but yeah i mean those birds are they are your they're your bloodhounds i mean i, I watch the birds like a hawk and i don't need to see them diving on bait i just need to see them lock up in one spot sometimes and if i'm watching him he's flying along and he locks up he's looking at something down there he's not just pausing to pause um he's seeing something that you know uh he's seeing glass minnows that are maybe about to come up or, or what have you, but and they'll also sit right on top of, uh, they'll follow along the school of um, Spanish and Bonita and false albacore as well. And they all three will do it, but, you know, uh, smaller birds are obviously diving on glass minnows. Pelicans are diving on menhaden. So depending on what you're targeting, um, it kind of gives you an idea of what size baits down there by the type of birds that are, and then knowing, uh, what, what, you know, your species that you're targeting, knowing what they're eating and what they chase. Um, you know, but I mean, pelicans, I've had pelicans diving on Benita a lot, but most of the time it's gulls and terns that you see, and that's what you're looking for, for them. So I, my understanding, and maybe I got this wrong. I mean, we're talking about locating fish and, you know, we, this is where the conversation is going. So instead of going to casting the fish, I think we'll segue this into trolling because I believe trolling is yeah. yet another way you look for fish. Yeah, so um, I do it, you know, a little different than some guys do. Um, you know, I, I like to troll for them. So for me, I used to go out and set up and just turn my motor off and drift. Um, and, and they will talk about that in the and calls, but, and you just wait on them to come up and hit the top. But what if they're not coming up and feeding on the top? What if they're feeding on bottom or, or, or a fish mid column? And 
you know, and there's not, and they're just showing up for the season and there's sporadic schools and they're not everywhere. Um, you know, trying to locate them, or if you're just waiting for them to come up and start feeding that day, I like to get a few lines out and start trolling and covering ground. And while I'm trolling, I'm marking bottom and I'm looking for bait. And I like to troll like, you know, 50 pound gear, 30 pound gear, uh, with, uh, it's commercial style really with a hundred pound leader. It's basically a Spanish rig. Um, like a, a Spanish rig that you would troll for Spanish with a planer, but you're using a, like a big number three planer, um, you know, 80 pounds, 100 pounds, uh, uh, liter behind that to a big drone spoon, um, big Clark spoon, uh, you know, really big stuff. And that works really well. I mean, there's some other tricks and things you can pull behind it. Guys are getting creative and pulling different types of, um, uh, diving baits behind a planer and that's worked pretty good but um you know i haven't done that personally but i, I know it works so I mean, you can get creative with what you pull behind your planer but uh biggest thing is you are catching fish a lot of days where if you had just waited for them to come to the top and bust on top you would have never caught a fish so yeah the holy grail is they come up to the top bust you cast into them that's great but i think i mean even remember i you know i remember the trip that you and uh, Billy uh, went on with me and it was that same thing. They just didn't want to come up that day, but we were catching fish the whole time. And then when they finally did pop up, we were able to cast to them and catch them that way. Yeah. That's why I brought Billy. So he could reel in the trolling catches and then, you know, I could do the more skilled labor of actually casting. That's to right. I mean, that's why I put him. That's on right. <laughs> and he did his job perfectly. He, so, did, he did a good job. So if you're trolling, I'm going to back up a little bit because I, I mean, yep. I think people, I think people should employ this. I, I do it when I go out. So you're trolling what? No more than two lines, and are you are you planer in both rods? Or are you just doing one? Well, rod? like walk me through a little bit more detail, please. All right. So I don't get. So I don't. For me, now you could put out a whole spread if you wanted to. There's guys who put out a whole spread, and they're just trolling for them. Uh, for me, I'm actually just trolling to cover ground and, and make my time count. I'm just trying to cover ground, catch fish while I'm covering ground if they're not going to come up. But I also want to be prepared to get those lines out of the water really fast when they do pop up. Um, when the fish pop up, sometimes you've got just seconds to make a cast to them with a casting lure. And if you have a huge school pop up, three people hook up on light tackle, the next thing you know, if you've got six lines that you're trolling, you know, and you've got two Benita, you've got a you got a mess on your hands. So for me, I only troll two lines, but there is nothing wrong with putting a whole spread out at all if that's what you want to do. Now I I kind of do it commercial style with big planers and big drones. And um you know, that's my setup. It works well. It catches it catches Benita well. But there's times where, you know, deep divers, Yozuri deep divers are another uh, very popular uh, lure to troll with. Those things work excellent. Um, I don't use them as much, you know, uh, just because I can I, I control a little faster with the planers than I can the, the deep divers. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, you can put out Yozuri deep divers. Uh, trying to run deep divers and planers at the same time can be tricky sometimes. So that you know, getting back to how many lines do you want to run? 
you know, how much stuff do you want to pull out of the water when the fish start busting? I, I want to get that stuff up quick and go ahead and get on to the casting part of the, the show. You know, I'm not trying to sit there and crank in six lines. And by the time you get done putting all that up, you're, you know, but to each his own, if you, if you're just going to go out there and troll for them, um, you know, or if that's what you do, you know, run some more lines. And if you did that, you know, couple deep divers, you know, set a certain distance, staggering your planers so they don't, you know, sweep into each other. It's kind of tough to do, but it can be done. Um, that's pretty much all I use on them. They work so well that that's the, uh, and I'm sure that somebody will say, oh, well, we troll this, we troll that. Fine. But I've got what works for me and it works well. And, I, you know, and I'm, until I see something that changes my mind and I'm open-minded, but until I see something that really just blows me away, I mean, that's going to be the same thing. And when you say a big drone spoon, what do you mean by big? Like people love specifics. Uh, yeah, specific. How big are the big ones? The big ones. Um, I'm trying, while I was talking, I was trying to think of the size. Um, I could go in the garage and grab one, but we'll just, uh, it's the, it's probably what, five, six inches. Okay, man. That's what I, yeah. that's all we need. We don't need the, the rating it's in not, the store. It's, it's not a little Spanish one. It's a pretty big spoon. It's a, it's a five or six. It's it's one of the bigger ones. I, they may make them bigger, but it's the biggest one that I see sold in all the tackle shops around here. But it's about five to six inches somewhere in there. So let's let's have this play out on the boat. We're trolling. You're covering ground. You're liking the machine, and then all of a sudden, we're getting a couple of bites, or we get a bite, and you're thinking, man, it is time to transition. You know, we have used trolling to find fish. So walk me through that transition. Like, how do you get how do you make the decision to switch from troll to like, this is a casting opportunity if you're not seeing them on the surface? Um, okay. So we get a couple hits and most of the time you get a couple hits on when you're trolling, there's going to be bait obviously. So yeah, then it's time to change the game up a little bit. So we pull the trolling gear in. Um, I use uh, diamond jigs, boxy jigs, uh, Big Nick Spanish candies are my go-to these days. They work really well. It's what I like. Um, and that gear is, you know, that's going to be your lighter lighter tackle. Seven-foot uh, medium rods, medium action rod, uh, you know, a 3,000-size reel, 4,000-size reel. Um, I, I use 10-pound braid to 12-pound braid. I go really light on it because I can get a lot longer cast with lighter braid and you know if you run your drag right you're not gonna um you're not gonna have any problem 30 pound uh leader these fish do have teeth uh so they'll cut you off and you if we're getting hits trolling and they're not on top i'm gonna get us right back over top of where we got those hits and over top of that bait and we're gonna start dropping them right to the bottom and jigging them straight up and down and just vertical jigging and then we'll throw them out away from the boat let them fall and then Another technique is to let it fall away from the boat and then rip it back to you. So it's coming up through the water column at an angle back to you. Some days that works. You really have to change it up. I mean, there's no, I'll have two people, you know, burning them across the top. I'll have a couple guys vertical jigging. We'll try to do a little of everything to figure out where they are in the water column and kind of what they want. There's days where we just drop it down. If I see the fish on the machine are about halfway down, uh, you know, say we're in 50 foot of water and they're 25 foot down. I'll shut the motor off, get up wind, and we'll just vertical jig, you know, trying to keep them about 25 foot down under the boat. 
and jig through them. And a lot of times it's just boom, boom, boom. You'll just start hooking up, you know, one right after the other like that. So when you're blind vertical jigging, it's bringing it up through the water column. It's not just bouncing it off the bottom. You're covering the water column when you're doing a vertical jig in your search capacity. Correct. So, you know, if they're on top and they're busted bait on top, you cast past them or whatever direction you see them moving and you just blister it as hard as you can. I mean, as fast as you can. You can't pull it fast enough for them. And you're doing the same thing if they're under the water, you know, if they're down below, you're, you're doing two, I do two different methods. I let it sink all the way to the bottom and then I just burn it straight up from the bottom. No different than if I was pulling it across the surface. So I'm bringing it by them really fast, but it's under the water. And then, then there's times where just, like I said, vertical jigging works great to catch them. And so if, what about the old, like, I mean, what pointers do you have? Because this is a run. It can be labeled a run and gun fishery. Is is Ray Britton doing run and gun? Or are you more? They'll come back around. If you're smart, let them come back to you. So once you've marked bait and you've marked structure and you see them pop up one time, that's where if you run over to them with your boat, you're going to push them down. And there's there's always those guys who they see the birds, they see them pop up and they take off to them. And then when they get there, they push them down. And it's like playing whack-a-mole, basically. You're back and forth and you're not getting anywhere. The guys who are really successful and do really well, you know, are the guys who shut their engines off. They locate where the bait is sitting on what structure. They see the fish come up and bust in that area. And then they get upwind from it, and they try to do a drift with the troll with the uh, you can use trolling motor, or you can just drift with the you know with the with current, get upwind and drift to it with the motor off. And most of the time, if they're if they're you know if they're playing well that day, you're going to get close to that spot, and boom, they're going to pop up right on you. Whereas if you were running your motor near them, they won't come up. But what you'll what you'll find is when you push them down, when you run to those fish and push them down, they take off and they'll pop up 200 yards away from you, and you're always chasing them. Versus if you just sit right there, another lot of fish is going to come by that school of bait, push them up, and the same thing's going to happen. So, um, and I'll use spot lock if it's calm enough to just kind of hold myself in a general area and wait for them to pop back up. But there, you know. Some days, you know, when they're on the move and they're moving a lot, I understand, you know, running to them and, um, you know, trying to get on them is, you know, it, it works. But once once there's a lot of boats out there and they start getting skittish, go off to get away from the crowds, find your spot where you've seen some come up and just sit there. And what you'll see is day after day, they're going to come up right on that mark day after day after day because that's a spot that's holding bait and structure. Well, let's let's talk a little bit more about the casting because, as you, I think you referenced the holy grail of bonita fishing. I mean, that's what everyone wants. They want the fish coming up, and they want to cast to the melee, and they want to yeah. come tight. And so, again, my, I know my people like specifics. If you, anything can work on any given day. What's your favorite big nick? I think you said Spanish candy is one of your go tos right now. What size? Like, what color? Does color matter? Do you ever change colors depending on conditions? Like. How can you help us out? Uh, yeah, I like uh, 
to me, I mean, it's hard to beat uh, electric chicken, you know, pink and yellow. It's very hard to beat that color all the way around. Um, some days he's got a really pretty black back one. Uh, it looks just like a, a finger mullet. Um, he has a uh, just a, a straight blaze orange, you know, like say hunter orange, uh, just straight orange. Um, and he told me, he said, you know, he said, hey, man, try this one, you know, on a cloudy day. And, um, you know, for me, I look at it and I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. It's not, you know, it doesn't look like it doesn't have that flash to it. Well, on a cloudy day, that thing is awesome. Um, and I like to use a yellow bat, green back. Um, I actually will put on two or three, four or five different colors of his. And I'll throw... Uh, and sizes. I mean, do I have a preferred size? I mean, I want to use the biggest one that that I can that he makes, if at all possible, because that's the lure you can throw the farthest. But I only start sizing down with his sizes. I typically end up using his middle one, whatever the middle one is. Um, it's a it's a little over an ounce. I can't remember the the exact weight on it, but he's got a small, medium, and a and a larger size. Um, if they'll hit that bigger one, it's nice because you can make, you know, it's the, you can sling it a mile. Uh, the middle one, you can sling a mile. When they're really keyed in on small baits and you have to use that little one, you've got to be real stealthy to get up to them and because you're not going to be able to cast that one as far. So, you know, what, what, they're, uh, what they'll actually feed on that day and accept, so to speak, uh, is what I'm going to throw, but I, I like to start off with the biggest thing I can, obviously, um, just for the just for the distance to be able to get the distance, and that that way you can keep the boat away from them a little farther, and it gives you a little cushion. Um, and then if I see they're not hitting them, I size down. But I start with um, three or four different colors on. If we cast into them and we're not hooked up right away, I'm throwing a different size and a different color in there. And it doesn't take long. You'll see, okay, this is what they want today. And then tie that on and rock and roll. So, and you've, again, you've already talked about this, but I wanted to go circle back and just make sure I followed. Man, if I'm seeing a little surface activity, sometimes it's a couple of fish, sometimes it's more than a couple of fish. And I'm, I'm in a sight casting position. I am d instructed by you, do not throw it right into the melee is that because it's just not effective or that because it could actually sit uh, down or you want me to send it in front of them and then pull it through the melee or throw it in front of them and pull it in front of the melee? Like ideally, yeah. Then, what do you, how are you going to coach me? Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's days it doesn't matter. You just get it wherever you see white water exploding, you put it right there. Um, if they're, they're, the only reason I talk about leading them a little bit is because the days when they're finicky, it seems like leading the fish um, kind of, obviously if you throw behind them, you're not going to hook many up. They're pointed a certain direction and they're looking ahead. Um, if you throw behind a school that's moving to your left and they're, they move so fast, you know, you, you just wasted a cast, but I like to throw a good ways out in front of them and you know, ahead of them to where I kind of intercept them with the lure as they come by. And I really start burning it when it gets near. I'm like, it's like, oh, I got a roll here. Here comes the school of Benita trying to get me. 
I mean, the more you can make it look natural, the more hookups you get. Um, and, and if you throw right in the middle of fish that are just busting on bait, they're in a frenzy, they're going to hit it. But when they're, you know, when they're, they're moving on bait and they're moving more across the top of the water, leading the fish and then throwing ahead and past them, you know, ideally if you can throw, if you see, let's say they're 20 yards off the side of the boat, if you can throw 40 yards and then 20 yards ahead of them and start burning it to where they'll meet the lure about, you know what I'm saying? At a certain point, yeah. that really works better. It works a lot better just dropping it right on their head some days. I mean, most of the time they don't care, but there are days where that is the only way to get them bite, get them to bite. All right. So I'm on your boat and maybe, maybe you t- sell me this before I cast out, before I hook up, but any advice to your clients, anything you have to talk about once they're hooked up, like to make sure they get them to the boat? Yeah. I mean, just, just let them run. Uh, you're, you're throwing light tackle. So, I mean, if you try to put too much heat on them, I mean, you could go with heavier, uh, heavier hooks and heavier line and horse them right in, but then you lose that, that ability to, you know, you, the whole, the, the nice thing about 10 and 12 pound line is that, like I said before, that, ability to make a longer cast, less drag in the water. Um, and you don't, that's all you need to land them. You just have to fight them. They're just strong. Um, I keep my drag set pretty good. I mean, it, you know, it's all relative, but I want them to be able to make their run and wear themselves out. So it's pretty much just hold on. When he gives you line, take line. When he runs, like any other fish, when he runs, let him run. Um, you know, depending on if you're using a single hook or a, a treble, that'll, you know, you're going to lose some of them. That's part of the game. But, um, yeah, just use light tackle and, and don't don't fight them too hard. Fight them fair. Bring them all to a net? You netting all the fish? Uh, yeah. Yeah, on those because with a you know, 30-pound leader, it's you'll snap a lot of them off trying to sling them over the side, especially if they've got that leader right there in their teeth. And that's that's when it will give us. So I, I typically net them. With with when I'm trolling with 80 pound line and a drone, you just sling them over the back. But yeah, I'll, I'll use the net on them. And the other part of using the net um, is, you know, there's times where if you're using a, a treble hook, Spanish candy, um, and everybody's seen this picture, you know, if that if that thing pops out right at is at the boat, you've got a lure slinging at somebody too. So safety, you know, uh, from a safety point, you can control the whole situation better with the net, that rod, you know, you can get the, you can loosen your, uh, bail, get the, so the rod's not in a, in a bow. And then if it comes out, it, it slings at you. It's just a little safer in a net. I think. Well, uh, I'm going to hit you one of your talking points now. I mean, I, I think we're cut. Co- I mean, I know we're covering a lot of information. I think we've covered what you intended to do. What about your heading of do's and don'ts, man? What do you got for what do you got for me? What do you got for the audience under the heading of do's and don'ts? Yeah, the do's and don'ts, the the don't be that guy segment. I have one every time I try to because it yeah. So a lot of boats are gonna show up when these fish get there. Um, and the biggest don't is don't run to the birds as hard as you can go and then just come off plane and start casting. Learn how to see where the fish are coming up and have have some patience. Um, if you're trolling and most guys are trying to cast, 
you know, there's guys that'll be, you know, outside trolling, get in line with them, troll with them. Don't, don't cut them off. Don't, you know, just, just be respectful as far as what everybody else is doing. It really, it's really annoying when you've set up a drift on some fish that you have located and you know, they're over a piece of structure and you got them down and you're just waiting for them to come back up. And as soon as they pop up, you've got another two boats running right at you as hard as they can. And before you can even get a cast off, those boats have run them back down. So, I mean, running, you know, like a madman across the top of the water does nothing for anybody. It hurts everybody. So just slow down, look around, find if you see where they're busting, ease over there, get up wind from them and drift through that spot a couple times. And, I promise you, I promise you, you'll catch more fish that way. Man, uh, I have another question for you about Benita, but before I do that, anything I haven't set you up to say, I mean, if you're reflecting back on trolling, on casting, on locating fish, staying on fish, anything that you're thinking to yourself, man, I wish I had said that, or I forgot to say that. No, I mean, it's pretty, it's a pretty fun fishery. It's cut and dry. I mean, it, it's, it's fast and furious when it's on. Uh, the cool thing about them, yeah, you go out there and you see them busting. You know, where a lot of fish that are fish that you target under the water, um, the nice thing about these is you go out there and you see them. And there they are. Okay, let's go catch them. Um, you know, it's just cut and dry. Uh, but, you know, have your tackle rigged right. They're strong fish, you know. Make sure you tie good knots, you know, with your leader. Fluorocarbon is is uh, is not always necessary, but I'm not going to throw anything but fluorocarbon. You know, have at least 30-pound fluorocarbon, um, you know, double uni knot. It's all kinds of knots. If you want to learn a quick, easy one to get into it, double uni knot from your braid to your leader. Um, I tie a uh, Palomar to my lure because it's a real strong knot. Um, but having good knots no terminal tackle you don't need it you don't need a snap swivel you don't need a swivel between your braid i see that a lot between your braid don't just tie a have your running line leader tie your lure on um and that that's for casting jigs in particular but you know keep it simple and you'll catch more fish with that i mean yeah i really can't think of it's that's pretty much it i mean there's a lot more to it that you know, once you, you know, you, you can always learn something, myself included. I learn every time I go, but that's pretty much how I do it. it it's that simple and that is really that easy. All right. So the follow-up, and this wasn't in our pre-production notes, but I think you're going to be able to feel this question. No problem. I've got a feeling. Yes, you do have a reputation of being a chef. No, I'm not going to ask you how to serve up a false albacore so that Billy will eat it. I'm going to say... Man, give me at least one, if not two, of your favorite Bonita recipes because they are delicious. I mean, it's basically a small tuna. They're delicious. What's one of the ways you like to? Yeah, them? they're phenomenal. Um, I well, uh, raw number one. That's the nice thing about them. I mean, you can come home and, and roll up sushi rolls right away. I mean, it, until you're tired of it. We always do. I mean, I love when they show up. Raw for me is the best. Um, and then as far as cooking them. I don't have a recipe per se. I do something different every year, but it's based kind of on a uh, little soy, ginger, lime, brown sugar, marinade type thing. Um, and then, you know, roll them in sesame seeds and then just ahi style, just a minute per side on a hot grill or in a cast iron skillet. But I mean, literally just a minute per side. 
and a little wasabi and soy to dip it in. But it's a good fish to um, it's a good fish to uh, to experiment with. Um, I've never fried them, but I can't imagine it being bad fried. But it's such a good fish, I wouldn't fry it. Uh, so yeah, raw and any way you would cook a, a regular tuna steak, it's is amazing on them. So I, I, I like to change it up every year when they come. I try to find a different marinade, some Asian style type, you know, tuna marinade and uh, and or glaze to put on them. And then, you know, I'll, I'll do sushi and then cook some just a minute per side. Ray, this has been a good conversation, man. I love Bonita season two, and I consider it, you know, my humble opinion that you are right there in the epicenter of Bonita fishing. And for me, oh, yeah. Divers Rock <laughs> is like the place. Oh, yeah. If you're going to target Bonita, yeah. then you got to put it on your list to catch some Bonita at Divers Rock out of, off of Topsail Island. Um, Ray, man, I've enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Looking forward to fishing with you this year. Looking forward to fishing yep. with you every year. And uh, we'll have you back soon. Yeah, looks like I guess we'll see you in a couple weeks. So be ready. Hey, man, wait, I'm forgetting my own question. And this is (laughs) Springtide Guide Service is more than Bonita fishing. You're fishing throughout the year. This is just one of the one of the chapters of the calendar. Yes. Please give my viewers, my listeners, the highlight reel of what Springtide likes to target rest of spring, summer and then into fall. All right. Yeah, I like to target the best thing that's happening at that time. I, I like to switch with the seasons. Um, Benita, obviously after the Benita come through, they're going to leave, uh, you know, in May going in, you know, first week of May or so, second week of May, depending on the, when they leave, we get a run of huge Spanish that come through. They're fun to cast too. Um, the Spanish bite is a blast. Um, so I'll troll for Spanish. We've got, you know, uh, we've got the inshore topwater trout bite in the spring, typically, that, that gets really good. Um, at going into summer, I do a lot of topwater red fishing, red fishing with lures. Uh, we will use bait on charters as well, but I'm primarily, I like reds, trout, flounder, uh, you know, inshore, but offshore, you know, the, the Spanish and Benita are my two favorites, and flounder offshore. Um, yeah, summertime, we jig for flounder off the wrecks, uh, when that season's in, uh, fall for me, as soon as the trout bite starts, I'm strictly chasing trout. That's what, that's it. That is my true love. Um, and false albacore throughout, you know, different times of year, guys like to come fly fishing for those. We have those that come through in the fall. Um, trying to think of, I do a lot of different types of cobia fish, some, um, a lot of different types of fishing, but. I change with the seasons and whatever, you know, whatever is really running well that time of the year is what I target. I understand that logic, man. Again, Ray, great to talk to you. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Yep. Oh, oh I think it cut him off there on accident. <laughs> Too fast. I hope it was an accident. Too fast. <laughs> man, what a great episode, Gary. Yeah, man. I got a couple takeaways. Are you ready for them? Oh, you got two. Well... One, those recipes, I was just over here like, boy, that sure sounds good. Because <laughs> I'm hungry. I'm like, they made me hungry. I mean, who has a bonita right now? They can feed me. Uh, but no, my, my biggest takeaway is I don't have a boat or any electronics is <laughs> find the birds, find the bait, find the fish. Love it. Like anything that's practical, it, it really settles with me pretty easy. Yeah, man, so, it works that way. It's like, all right, simple. That's the, that's the equation to find some fish. So. I think the best takeaway is if you're going to go out there, 
bring a sucker to reel in all the trolled oh, fish, yeah, and then good. you stand up in yeah. the bow of the boat, ready with the diamond yeah. jig to do the skilled labor. That's right. That's exactly what happens. That's how I fish. Another takeaway, if you're <laughs> listening to this, is don't ever go fishing with Gary Hurley on Ray Britton's boat. Go fish with Ray. Just don't go with Gary. You should go with Ray. You shouldn't go with <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, you'll catch a lot of fish. <laughs> you're right. You take some other idiot with you <laughs> to really <laughs> fish. Oh, man, Gary, too much fun. Uh, once again, I want to give Marine Warehouse a shout out for being such great sponsors of the episode. Thank you guys so much for all that you do, not only in the boating world, but in the fishing community and being so supportive of all the events and making everybody... Yeah, man. That's what one of the things I tout that they are. They strive to be part of the fishing community, not just sell to the fishing community. And I see it play out in real ways, whether it's tournaments or schools or podcasts. Man, those guys want to support the fishing community, the Fisherman's Post community. I hope they choose to support them back. You know, you know, sales, service parts. You know, we say it every episode because it's true and we love you guys. Yeah. And get a hat from them. We'll see you next episode, Gary. All right, man. Fisherman.